Welcome to the one within all to another episode of Interverse Podcast. And I've been looking forward to this all day. And I'm sure that I'm about to make a really new good friend. <laughs> so tonight we are speaking with Dr. Moshe Daniel on the recommendation of our mutual friend, the most excellent and honorable Topher Gardener. So Moshe and Topher have a friendship going way back. They've got some cool stories, I'm sure. But I'm extremely excited about all of the overlapping interests that we share with our guest tonight. So Dr. Moshe, he is a naturopathic doctor, homeopath, musician, author, inventor, and hermeticist. So we don't usually get both of those. We don't usually get the the goodness in the health and in the esoteric kind of overlapping, but this guy is a leader in mind body medicine, which, as you know from the history of this show, is something I'm very interested in. And in fact, I don't think there's really any other type of healing, you know, at least not on a permanent level. There's maybe band aids and symptom suppressors, but if you want to actually get well and feel whole, you got to find the roots of what cracks you've got in your belief system that are holding back your personal energy from yourself. And the body's never doing anything. Other than trying to show you where you're out of whack energetically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. So I know our guest tonight is going to be telling us a little bit about maybe his personal experience being diagnosed with a diagnosed, more like cursed, with what is considered a potentially fatal autoimmune disease and having cured himself, he is very well equipped to teach us about the process. And you can find out more about our guest tonight, dr-moshe.com. Also, he has a course called Know Thyself or Counsel Thyself, uh, one of those things, <laughs> counsel-thyself.com. I'm also excited to find out more about that because it sounds like a method of self-applied biofield tuning in a way. Uh, so we have a lot to talk about. I'm really excited. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Moshe. Thank you for being here, buddy. Um, my pleasure. My honor. I'm grateful. Really nice. Uh, you got a really nice setup here. Beautiful music, nice visuals. And I uh, love, love your, your the subject matters that you've been discussing. So it's an honor to be here. And I really appreciate Topher. Thanks for setting us up. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Thank you, Topher. <laughs> oh, what a good dude he is. We just could sing his praises for several minutes, I'm sure. Yeah. Let's so tell us about yourself, man. If you were given the, the who I am elevator pitch, you know, where would we begin on that? Oh, I've never tried to do a who I am elevator pitch. It doesn't really have to be like, a, like it can be a very long elevator. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> well, you know what, man? I, I, ever since I'm a little kid, I, um, I've been feeling stuff, experiencing stuff. I had some pretty wild experiences when I was just a little guy. I remember I'd be lying in bed and I'd see like this rectangular white light open up in front of me and I'd just be drawn in. I'd feel this expansion and then I'd be gone. And thinking back that it was rectangular, I'm thinking, hmm, maybe that's some kind of ship. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I honestly, I don't know what that was, but it felt good. It felt in the light. It felt positive and beautiful. And then I, um, I started feeling chi or prana or ki flowing in my body when I was a teen uh, and a little bit younger. And I had no context for that. This was in the early 80s. Well, you know, the world has exploded with knowledge since then, but it wasn't your everyday thing at the time. So my context was, uh, I thought I was a ninja. <laughs> I had read a book on ninjutsu and, uh, they talked about key and the flowing of energy in the body. And that's the only context I had. So I thought, Oh, I must be a ninja. Then I read Barbara Brennan's book when I was 15, Hands of Light. 
and that changed my world. And I wanted to be a healer and have a balance with science. So I chose naturopathic medicine in hopes that it would, it would fulfill that, you know, that ideal. And, you know, in, in its essence, naturopathic medicine does. Um, unfortunately, the schools have kind of lost their way. The colleges have lost their way a little bit. So I did get I did get some beautiful medicine, but it was a lot of it was a lot lost in the um, in the you know the me- mechanistic model of you know of uh, conventional medical theory uh, in attempt in an attempt to uh, gain credibility from the conventional model. So you know, naturopathic medicine is suffering from a little bit of an identity crisis, and that was painful for me going through four years of that. And wanting the juice, like, give me the marrow here. Give me the, you know, the, the juicy marrow. And we we're getting a lot of stuff that was, you know, I, I, I think any knowledge is good. Even conventional biomedical science knowledge is good. It's good knowledge. It's good to have knowledge of how to play chess or the stars. You know, any knowledge is good. Um, but when you have a delineated amount of time, you want to spend that in a, I, I think, in a more philosophical way, in a way that teaches people that, the medicine comes from within um, the the patient. You know, we do pay that lip service in our, in our in our medicine, but it's not really supported. Um, so that that's a part of who I am. I also have been so interested in in Kabbalah um, and in in alchemy. When I was a kid, again back to when I was a kid, I would I would read alchemy books. I had no idea what the hell I was reading, but I was fascinated by the the subject matter. And by what was being conveyed and slowly, slowly, I mean, I mean, agonizingly slowly, I got to start to understand more about the ins and outs of alchemy. And with Kabbalah, you know, it was also a little bit hard pressed to get some really good marrow, juicy stuff. You get this sort of surface, uh, you get a very surfacey through the the commercial access to Kabbalah, you get a kind of surfacey um, in um, awareness. And it wasn't until it wasn't until I got very sick for the second time. <laughs> thank you. Um, it, about eight years ago, and I started to dive into yoga and the, and the, and the understanding of yoga was something that I would kind of kept at arm's length because I had sort of Jewish biases against it. And um, I was like, oh, that's, that's not for that's not for a Jew. I'm not going to look at that. Uh, but thank God I did. And I think I needed to be brought down to my knees in the second bout of, uh, of the autoimmune disease that I experienced, myasthenia gravis, as you, as you mentioned, to, to be humble enough to take a look at it and just have my, my world blown. Like, uh, not just, not just for yoga, but like the, the, the knowledge that I, that I derive from yoga and I'm talking about like the philosophical aspect, not just the positions, you know, not just the asanas, but like the whole jnana yoga and, you know, the, the question, who am I and all that stuff that, that really blow up in the blew open the doors for me and meditation wise. And, and, and it also tr- helped me transcend where I was in Kabbalah and alchemy as well. Like I, the truth is the truth is the truth. So where wherever you get it, it, it it informs other aspects of your life as well. So that really went beautifully uh, for me to, that was a missing link with, with, uh, with yoga. And I was initiated into Kriya yoga. If anybody's curious, I, I love Kriya yoga. I, Cause um, the, the Kriya yoga is inspired by the, the, the um, 
Tamil Nadu Siddhas, the masters of South East India. And, um, and it was so powerful getting this because the, the, the Siddhas were also alchemists. So you get a very balanced masculine and feminine kind of teaching in Kriya, or you should, I, I would like to hope so. And, and that's been very, very informative for me and very wonderful just to have the, a, a yoga tradition, which, which marries with uh, alchemy as well. And as I understand the yogis and even Taoists, you know, Taoist masters were, were interested in, in alchemy as a means of prolonging their lives so that they could sink deeper into the wisdom of the universe and ultimately attain to that goal, which, which, you know, you might call enlightenment or, you know, self-realization. So, so that's, that's some, some stuff. There's, there's lots to to, me. It's like, yeah, if you can live longer, I don't, I don't need there to be a deeper meaning to life other than life. You know, like if you look at what life does, it goes on and it continues. It's existence and existence exists. (laughs) So it's an admirable goal in and of itself to just continue existing and, you know, not have to hit the reset button on the game, so to speak. Exactly. And start back at, you know, crawling before you could walk and, and, you know, forgetting the whole thing, the whole, um, there's a Kabbalistic um, notion that, this little ridge that we have between our, you know, in our upper lip, that little dip at the bottom of the nose is where the archangel Michael, I believe it is, touches the soul, like touches the, the person before they're born to make them forget everything that they, they just, where they just came from. But it's not even that you don't fully forget. You just forget enough that you can't quite put your finger on it. So it bugs you until you start get, having revelation when you're older. <laughs> um, so I, I like what you said, man. I like what you said. It, there's no need to explain why you'd like to prolong life. Yeah. Like yeah, because life is great. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing better. So if this isn't too personal of a question, you talked about the bouts with the autoimmune. Yeah. And as alluded in, to in the introduction, you know, both of us are on the mindset that these things that go on with our body, they aren't even the body going haywire. It's the body sending us a message and reflecting the energy that we're carrying as if it's just you know, fulfilling our intentions that maybe we didn't realize we had the choice about, but they, it's always a choice. So with your bouts with that, you know, if it's not too personal of the question, what kind of epiphanies did you need to be led to about your own beliefs about life and expectations about life that, you know, were able to help you turn the corner and get back to vibrant, resilient crushing? Yeah. Nice. Good question. I like, I like how you worded that. So the first thing, it, the first bout of illness, so that was 20, let's see, 20, gosh, 28 years ago. That sounds like a long time ago. Um, 1996, is that, is my math right? 27, okay, 27. So uh, basically what set me into a spontaneous healing, well, I had a dialogue at the Options Institute. That's a Barry Neal and Samaria Kaufman Enterprise in the seventies, they had, they launched a movie. It was seventies or eighties. It was called sunrise. The miracle continues sunrise. The miracle, their child was born with autism and they basically just mirrored his actions instead of like shocking him and tying him up and sticking him in a closet. What they were doing in the seventies, horrible shit. 
Um, oh yeah. The shocking really messed my grandma up. Oh man. I'm sorry for your grandma, but, but that's what they did with kids with autism. Instead of doing that, these two mirrored his behavior for two and a half years, like 24 seven, they didn't take a break, you know? And well, I mean, when he went to sleep, they went to sleep, but, um, he, after two and a half years, he came out near genius IQ. So they, these two had some pretty good shit on them. And I learned. This uh, sounds like good shit. Yeah, it's good shit. It's good shit. I learned from Barry Neil Kaufman about belief systems. And within the first half an hour of me taking his class, it was called um, Inner Bound, Inward Bound, which I, I makes you think of your in, innerverse, you know. Uh, my life was changed. My mind was blown. And I had a dialogue done there. And basically, they ask a series of questions. I, I learned that technique. And based on that technique, I've evolved the technique for for practice as a naturopathic doctor. And I teach this in my program called Holistic Counseling. It's a professional program with uh, certification. And then I'm also teaching now the the course that, uh, called Counsel Thyself for, for lay people. So we can get into that after. Uh, but the questions that I was asked, it guided me to this question, which was the life changer was, um, I said something like, because I need to be perfect. And then the question was, what makes you believe you need to be perfect? And the question for me was the answer because I never thought about the question before. I never thought it, it was never posed to me as a question. It was just a fact, you know, I, I got to be perfect. And of course there's a subconscious subconscious pattern. Um, <clears throat> But with these deep dialogues, you start very, you start varying the conscious, but then you take your, your conscious mind in one of those like deep underwater, uh, vessels with like the lights that shine off the front, like Inspector Clouseau or something. And you, you shine the light from the conscious mind into the subconscious to have awareness of these, these patterns, these thoughts that are going on. So I, I realized right away that that was, that I didn't need to be perfect. It just, it just, it happened spontaneously. And then I had a full on, like my breath opened up and, and chi flowed into my arms and my shoulders swelled up a little bit. And my eyes opened up. I really had a spontaneous healing. Um, that's what the first bout of illness showed me. I went a quantum level deeper into my karmic pattern, my karmic cycle, if you will. And it was about being a father. And that, that rocked my world. Um, I, let me put it this way. I was, I was, I was going to say hellbent, but I, and then I was going to like censor myself, but I might as well just use that word because it's, there's some truth in it. I was hellbent on enlightenment. <clears throat> that's a, that's a catchy line. I just thought hellbent on enlightenment. Right? I just saw the uh, local, local legends to my area, Ozark Mountain Daredevils at an Earth Day festival. And they have that, that catchy song. If you want to get to heaven, you got to raise a little hell. That's what it makes oh, nice. me think of. Yeah. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say here is that I was, I was fixated and attached to enlightenment. And, and so when the baby was coming, I thought, I thought, I thought life was over. What I wanted, my desires were over. And that was a, a, a true misunderstanding of what it's like to be a father and, and having kids and stuff like that. And it's been an amazing transformation, still challenging at times. It's probably the most challenging thing you could do in this life, <laughs> but it was good for me. It was, it was, it was wholesome and it continues to be wholesome. And in fact, becoming a father was one of the things that has enabled me to, to move closer to the goal that I thought I was going to lose out on because I couldn't focus solely on enlightenment. 
So that's, that was a big lesson for me. And I mean, I almost died. Like I, I incepted myself deeply with the thought, my life is over. So you know what I mean by incepted, right? Like the movie Inception, like this deep message to the deep subconscious, life is over. And I almost, I literally almost died. So it was a battle to get back to health. And, you know, I've seen a lot of inceptions with people in my practice. I worked with a gentleman who had Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. And his, he, his core belief was, I'm nothing without money. That was instilled in, in his mind by his mother over and over. You're nothing without money. You're nothing without money. You're nothing without money. So he built up a, this like $1 million savings. And he was like, that's not enough. I need to like really double down on this. So he invested in this bogus land deal in Mexico and he lost everything, everything. So you're nothing without money. He became nothing and he incepted himself. I'll never get off the ground now. And he literally within months, he wasn't getting off the ground. His body had manifested that so quickly in alignment with the choice of the mind, which is the master. The mind is the master. It's it's the command center over the body. And there's something to that too with men in general that, you know, you've built up a lot of equity throughout your life, put in so much blood, sweat and tears. And then for things to evaporate like that, whether through divorce or through a bad investment or just, you know, bad deal. And the suicide rates of men is really underreported in how like, so many men in that position, they really do. They might not just like wait for their body to punch the ticket from the belief. They'll just do it. You know, it's very, very challenging for men. Yeah. It's like men won't go to the doctor unless they have impotence. So, right. Like there's this vulnerability involved in going to the doctor and a lot of, and or counseling, you know, like, Oh, I can, I can handle it. I'm, I'm tough. And so it's like, it's zero to 60. It's like, you're, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Kill myself because there's nothing in between there. I guess a lot of men don't feel the invitation that it's, it's, it's okay. You know, it's okay to feel down and have issues and not have it all figured out and not be tough all the time. It's okay. And that you can turn it back around as quickly as you lost it too, in terms of, you know, that idea of equity or being valuable. It's, it's tough though for men to feel like, you know, their, their value or their status is diminished for sure. Right. I mean, if you look in a, in a family, uh, like the situation of a man being the father and, and the, the partner, the husband say, then it's, it, there's a lot of pressure that men feel. And they're a lot very often in the case that I work with, the pressure on their self-esteem has to do with, you know, being a provider. So if you're, you know, that all that pressure is on being a provider, just as you said, and then your equity goes down or you lose your job or you lose a lot of money, I could see that bothering people. That That's what we would call like a kind of a collective belief that men, like if you, you know, you're wearing the man mantle and you're stepping into a man, the man role of father, then you are, you're, you're, you're basically absorbing the collective that you have to be on your toes about because a lot of the collective beliefs that we have go without saying they're taken for granted or whatever. We have to really challenge those. We have to really be making the the, uh, questioning is, is this how I want to live? Do I have to live this way? Now I don't mean to say that 
a man doesn't need to take responsibility for his his family. Uh, he could he could partner with his wife, or he could be the sole provider. That's up to them. But I mean to take on the belief that I'm nothing without providing for because there are challenges in life. You know, your business might go under. There might be something called this pandemic thing, and people lose their jobs and. And are you going to feel like you're nothing because you don't have a job? That's putting the cart after the horse. So well, wait, that's where it's supposed to be. And that's not even a good metaphor because the cart before it's basically the donkey riding on top of the cart. It's just, it just doesn't work. Um, and we really, you know, especially since this whole ordeal in the last three years, People have really had a push in the butt and are accelerating a lot faster. And everything has to be questioned. Everything that we've taken for granted. You can see the, the little strings that have been pulled in every industry, you know, commerce, politics, medicine. Every belief should not be taken for, at face value, but should be explored and examined. So I'm really intrigued with the whole perfectionism thread <laughs> that you just brought up. So, okay. and you know how that incepted the, uh, my life is over idea. So I, I recently had a client all the way over in the Netherlands, which is so cool about how energy medicine works that it doesn't even matter to be remote. And so right. this was somebody who had had, um, why I bring this up? Cause I think there may be, you know, uh, a parallel here, but this is somebody who had had a highly critical mother. And basically was instilled from baby, the point of being a baby with a crippling fear of failure that was just like totally constricting the solar plexus and dampening the fires and the sacral. And so self-esteem and self-worth were highly, highly sabotaged by this crippling fear of failure that comes from the hypercritical mother. And then in the, you know, in the course of the tuning, we discover that not only was her mother like that to her, but her mother's mother was like that to her. And it went back like he was able to trace the family lore of hypercritical, nothing's good enough mothers for like five generations in oh. his memory, you know, so it could go back Amazing. further. And, you know, <laughs> you being Jewish, it's a stereotype of Jewish men wanting to please their mothers and nothing being good enough for their mothers. So like got to be a doctor, right? So yeah. do you think that there could have been like ancestor patterns that you made the, uh, the severity of the health impact, you know, in your body actually hit harder? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I like what you're saying. And in the fields, you know, the fields, the family lines, definitely family lines. They're strong. They're definitely strong. You know, perfectionism is, <clears throat> it's not the worst thing if it's brought into balance in the like sort of Japanese concept of shibumi, the idea of working towards perfection with the, uh, the recognition that there's no such thing as perfection. <laughs> you, you, there's, like if you can accept that there's no actual end goal, you just work on bettering yourself, not, not with, terrible like judgment and self judgment, but with just like a sense of improvement, like it's a Kabbalistic concept that everything that is can become more, it can improve, it can grow. And that's how things should be. So, but the perfectionism is too much. It's taking that too much. And it's also a compensation for not feeling good enough. So if I'm perfect, then I'll be good enough. 
So it's based on this idea that I'm not good enough. And that itself is the pro is where the core belief is wrong. Um, and, and so it's really secondary, the perfectionism. And it holds people up from ever beginning. That's the big thing with the, the mentality is like, can't start until conditions are perfect, you know, and it ties up all this energy. Like it actually holds up energy in the right ankle where you would be taking the step, uh, interestingly enough. So right. you know, people out there, if you've been rolling your right ankle a lot, check in with yourself about if you're feeling, if you're, you know, behaving in an indecisive manner or have that sort of procrastination disguising itself as perfectionism. Nice. You know, I want to address something that Stacy um sunshine brought up she said this belief that if a woman is not employed for money outside the home she isn't contributing a hundred percent and that's a huge problem in the whole i want to say feminist movement is that the world doesn't acknowledge the value that women contribute in the family after becoming a father and watching what my wife has done with our kids i'm i'm blown away and i can't do that I can't do that shit. Like she's made to bring such value to the kids in their formative years, like nursing and, and being with them and like, uh, you know, getting up in the night and like just the, the, the woman is the central um, pillar as the mom in, I would say most, if not close to every family or, or, or it should be, you know, unless there's like extenuating circumstances, but, and, and the world doesn't acknowledge that. You know, I've had I've had cases of women. I've just met women, you know, here and there where they're saying, like, you know, I don't I don't want to be a mom because nobody like what am I going to say at a party when people say, what do you do? Because nobody respects it. But shit, man, that's the problem right there in our culture. We should respect the woman's role as mom so deeply. Um, and then. You know, I'm not saying that women sh women shouldn't ha do whatever the whatever the heck they want. Do whatever the heck you want. But there's a problem in our society where people are being taught that a woman can do it all, including having having a baby and raising a child and having a a, a booming career while she's ra raising a child. And you can do that, but you're not going to do either one very well. Or it's so true, man. Yeah, yeah, and the way that the 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 way that the like anything less than full undivided nurture and care, the way that affects somebody into adulthood until they figure it out, or you know, sort of like maybe they don't have to connect the dots back to their childhood to change their beliefs, but a lot of times that is what is required. Like another client example, somebody who had had a bad right neck injury, uh, like continually in pain. It had happened from a car accident, but coinciding with communication issues, feeling unheard, you yeah. know, not necessarily realizing that her, the energy she was carrying was inviting the posture of interrupt me. Don't listen to me. <laughs> and right, it right. all was stemming back to a parenting style of, uh, that we discovered in the, the session of, Oh, let them cry it out rather than give the baby the attention. So when she was a baby, you know, a lot of unheard crying sets up the belief of, I'm not really listened to causing the body to respond by mirroring it with the injury to the part of the neck throat chakra level that right. corresponds with that type of outward communication. Yeah, exactly. So here's another kind of collective belief, like even amongst 
so so the world the world has exploded like with like young people are like diving right into consciousness right now and and healing and the stuff the stuff like that what you're sharing but back in the day when they were recommending starting to recommend uh, cry it out. And for decades since th- th- this was sort of like on the inner circles of spiritual people, you know, like let them cry it out there. They can self soothe. Like what a load of horseshit. And so here's another an example of an, in, the infiltration of an idea that, okay. So let's say you, you, I'm sorry that you had to go through that as a kid and you were wounded by that. But then as a, as an adult, and being a parent, you have the chance to confront that belief. And if something is tugging at your heart while you're like, you know, you're closing the door and saying, oh, Johnny will be fine. He's just crying. He's going to soothe himself. He's freaking two weeks old. You know, he need, he's, a, he's a human being. He needs to be close to someone. So, yeah, there's another example of a belief. And, and, and definitely these things start the foundation for greater and greater um, departures from our core self, from our true self until you get to the psychopath level, you know, like you start with the cried out and then take a few more traumas and you're at the psychopath level um, or, or whatever, you know, sociopath. And so, yeah, the, the beginning of life um, birthing, you know, doulas and midwives and homeopathy for the kids and not in, in, in putting things in the body that mess with the immune system. And all this, all this stuff is so crucial in the beginning of life to form a nice foundation. So it's very crucial that we heal our, our birthing system and our whole philosophy and stuff. Um, you know, the United States is one of the uh, is on one of the lowest rungs in terms of our, you know, um, neo what's it called? The infant sudden uh, sudden infant death syndrome and just unhealth in in the, the in the system of how we support our moms. You know, Finland will support a mother for four years to be with her children, with a child Four years. That's sweet. Compare that to two weeks in the United States, two weeks. A lot of women can't afford to stay home with their kids and their kids suffer as a result. And so does the woman suffer with, with having to leave her baby and to go make ends meet. So certain societies have this figured out a lot better than in the U S I'd say. Yeah, man, man, for sure, dude. And, you know, even that question there's so much programming already done where just to talk about that, you know, people start to point the finger like socialism, socialism, but you know, who cares what label you put on something? (laughs) It's like a matter of what's the result and the result of what we're talking about with moms having two weeks here and then going right back to work. It's like perpetuating a slave mentality slave energy in a way you know it's uh, poverty consciousness instilled at the very beginning of life because those first seven years and especially the first year or two the baby is a pure energetic sponge you know like a complete little psychic energy vampire (laughs) but in a normal natural healthy way (laughs) so yeah we're, we're really touching on the deep the deep wisdom of what our why our bodies ever have you know dissonant experiences and 
where the, you know, that it's going back to the beginning of life a lot of times for the most significant bottlenecks energetically. So I think it's a great time to talk about your counsel thyself course a little more and how, you know, the, the philosophy behind that, what people can expect if they were going to get into that and how it pertains to this discussion as we've gone so far. Yeah, absolutely. Counsel thyself. So it's counsel, C-O-U-N-S-E-L dash thyself.com. And it is basically a, um, a carbon copy of my program, Holistic Counseling, which is a professional program that teaches people how to ask questions to go into the subconscious to help a person reveal where their belief systems lie. So I'm going to be sharing basically the same program with a little bit less naturopathic jargon and scientific jargon. It doesn't need to be complicated. Everybody understands the principles. It's just you start you start with a problem. Let's say your problem is I'm feeling anxious. Okay, so you sit with yourself, say, what am I feeling anxious about? I don't know. I don't, okay, what does the anxiety feel like? It feels like I'm rushed. I'm rushed. Okay. What are you feeling rushed about? So with, with every answer comes in the next question to get a person to continue to focus deeper. So it's very simple. The application has some challenges and that's why there's a whole weekend course devoted to it. 17 hours to really help a person give them a, a very broad spectrum understanding of the philosophy of mind body medicine what you know like what we're talking about now how does the body mirror what's going on in the mind and what, how does this happen and it really edifies a person's faith in the healing that can come when you understand how powerful addressing the problems that we face today at the mental level and of course the emotional level as well so so the there's deep enrichment and in, in, in immersion in the philosophy over the weekend. And then the practical application of how to ask these questions. What are the questions? What questions do you not want to ask? Why do we not use the question? Why? We don't ask why, why am I feeling this way? We don't ask that. Why is, is a question that gums you up and it, it calls for like a weird philosophical answer instead of going right at it what makes me feel this way so that's an example of, of guidance in the course um, that we will be diving deeply within I'll demonstrate I'm going to demonstrate on on, a, on one or two volunteers of how I do the dialogue it's they're very profound changes that can happen from one dialogue the uh, the practitioners that I teach in my program uh, holistic-counseling.ca are getting the same comments from a lot of their patients or clients, what, what have you, that I, I get in my practice. And it's like I, I've been going to a counselor for a decade, sometimes two decades or more, and I haven't had this kind of experience after one or two dialogues because of the way it's engineered to get to go deeper and deeper. And it's based on the philosophy, two, two points, just – and this is one of the, the philosophies in naturopathic medicine that, um, you know, um, the healing of power, the healing power of nature lives inside of each person. So that the real healing comes from within the person. There's nothing happening on the outside except triggers and like uh, facilitation and help. But the real healing happens within the person, which is also a principle of homeopathy. 
It's the yeah. that the ordering principle of reality is life force energy. And so if the flow of that life force is unimpeded by mental barriers that, you know, just like the way that your brain has this compartmentalization of blood flow based on neural pathways, ruts that are developed from certain ways of thinking repetitively. That's exactly how the life force energy in the body works. And if there is some impediment mentally, then that natural regenerative capacity of the ordering principle that is our prana will be restricted. But if it's free to flow, we're just constantly in regeneration and, you know, we're just glowing with that. It's so awesome. Right on. Well said. And when you're in that good flow, when you're not uh, aligning with ideas that are simply false illusionary delusional that stick to that illusionary energy that drain you, then stuff doesn't stick to your fur in the first place. So there's like the, it's preventative and also curative. It's the whole thing. Or if you sustain a trauma and you're in a good place within yourself because you're aligned more with your true nature and you don't have too many false beliefs, then that, you know, you bounce right back. Versus getting burdened by the trauma and then, you know, 20 years later, you're still limping or something or, or you're, you've got a kink in your neck from that trauma. So, you know, even with injury, some people think, oh, yeah, no, this is because no, nothing, mind, body, just uh, this. I hurt myself when I was a teenager. And but the body is meant to regenerate and to even even a serious injury, you can recover. Might some more serious will take longer but your vital energy, your pranic energy should take care of that. And um, unless there's an inhibition and that's where the belief comes in at the time of the person's life, when they got the injury, what were they going through? That's the question that we ask. And I'm going to be teaching this in the program as well, how to address um, chronic effects from physical injuries um, and, you know, how, what to do when you hit stumbling blocks in yourself, <laughs> how to prepare yourself for these questions. You know, one of the tenets there is, you know, be brutally honest with yourself. You got to be brutally honest. Like if you're going in to try to prove a point to yourself, it's not going to work very well. You're just going to like, you're just going to keep, you know, like a donkey going around in the same circle. You're just going to keep carving a deeper and deeper path for yourself and harder and harder to get out. So brutal honesty, you know, Buddha said, one of the things that he said was a, a person has to gnaw themselves to the bone. And, uh, you know, of course, with grace and compassion for oneself, but to be willing to really turn over every rock and be willing to gnaw oneself to the bone is very key. So we're going to be encouraging that in the program is in the course. This is just a one weekend course. And um, and the person will be able to leave with the skills after the weekend of exploring the root cause of any condition that they have, physical, mental, emotional stress, you know, inability to manifest something, struggles with money, struggles getting a job, struggles finding a partner, anxiety, depression, these things a person could really start to get to understand and to be supported in what's causing that. To be empowered, you know, I like that word empowered, because when you recognize that what you're doing is causing your suffering, and, you know, some people say, oh, you're blaming people for their illness, which is a little too, little too, I don't know, 
on one side of reality. It's a little unbalanced that, that well, like that's exactly what the victim, like victim consciousness is the ultimate lie. Right. And it's why like it perpetuates illness and sickness. And some people uh, are enjoying that and they're allowed to keep enjoying that, but that's the response you'll get. And I hear that sometimes when I talk about yeah. what I'm describing, like, Oh, uh, so you're just basically, marginalizing the difficulty of people who have chronic abandonment issues or chronic this right. or that. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you that you have the power right. to shift this at any point. And it's, I'm not saying that it wasn't a hard experience, but <laughs> you know, you will get that with this type of stuff. If you're bringing full sun dog energy, pure truth and the light of awareness and perfect love, you will still get some people that are like, meh. So right. I just say, God love you. You know, you'll, when you don't want to be in pain and hurting and sick anymore, you'll maybe, you know, take another listen to this information. We're here for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so true. Like people just want to get offended. You know, they're, they'll, they'll get offended at, at the fact that you, you know, use a certain word that you had no idea had some kind of connotation that they just learned at one of their meetings. Anyway, that that's, that's true. So, so you there's always going to be, how dare you? Yeah. How <laughs> dare you? At this but point, how dare you is a joke to me and it makes me laugh. So I'm like, welcome it. Just like, how dare you? It's very <laughs> fun. <laughs> that's good. I'm glad you're seated in your confidence in yourself in that. That's good. That's good stuff. So, I mean, it's the exact opposite of blaming somebody. It's empowering them to have the keys to their kingdom. And the more that we have our keys to our kingdom, the more we think for ourselves and the more we look within for the answers and the less we can be conjoled and misled by the authorities, by the experts these days who are absolutely misguiding a lot of, a lot of, in a lot of um, directions. So, that will just sort of, you know, take away the fangs of that snake for humanity to have people looking within for the answers. <clears throat> and it doesn't mean that you only have to have the answer with, within. I train people to be very skilled at doing holistic counseling. So if you hit the wall sometimes or you're just, you're just in over your head for a certain situation, well, then go and look for consultation. But look for consultation within the model that is going to help you find the answer within yourself. <laughs> like, don't go to some expert that's going to tell you what to do because A, they could be wrong. And B, they're, ta you're, they're taking your inner rat away from the cheese. They're, no, no, sorry. They're taking away your inner rat's struggle to get through the maze to find the cheese and have the reward for yourself. They're taking and they're putting you right at the cheese. That's a worst case scenario. They're cursing you with a diagnosis label. Yes. <clears throat> diagnosis. I have a whole chapter in one of the first, was it my first, uh, first book I published, I think in 2004. Uh, it's called uh, the revolution of naturopathic medicine, where I talk about how diagnosis is really just a tool for allopathic treatment. Now, that's not to discredit allopathic treatment entirely, but for chronic illness, allopathic treatment doesn't really stand. Uh, it doesn't offer anything helpful except when the symptoms become so severe that you have to treat the symptoms to save the person's life or, or else the symptoms will kill them. Um, that's where allopathic medicine will always have a place when 
in these certain situations where we need to save a life. And I, I would say that's priority. Even if you're like suppressing symptoms with toxic substances, like if you can save the person's life, save the person's life. But in terms of chronic illness, like you, you, you don't want to be suppressing symptoms. You don't want to be treating the symptoms as disease. And therefore, for the most part, you don't need a diagnosis. You just need to listen to what the person's saying and they need to hear it themselves. They need to listen to themselves. So like myasthenia gravis in Chinese medicine is called um, muscle weakness syndrome. And you might call it Uga Booga syndrome <laughs> or just I can't get up out of my chair very as fast as I used to syndrome. Who cares? Everybody is different. Everybody that has myasthenia gravis got it for a different reason. You can't lump everybody together. A thousand people that have migraines have it for a thousand different reasons. Maybe there's some overlap in there, but they're quite different because everybody's a unique, different story. Um, I've been practicing now for 24 years, 23 years um, after I graduated and became a doctor. And I've been specializing in myasthenia gravis the whole time. And I've never seen two cases that are alike. You know, it's always different, different beliefs how they got there, their fears, their, their situations, their traumas, because we're all unique individuals born at different times around the world under different Zodiac signs, different parents, different races, different skin color, religions, and all these things combined for a very unique um, formula for karmic patterns that a person gets stuck in. So when we get stuck in an illness, that's the exact thing that the universe is gifting us with of where we're stuck in our soul's evolution. Otherwise, we wouldn't get sick. You know, you wouldn't get sick unless you're really stuck on a belief. And so that's exactly what you got to look at. But understand at a deep level, if you're just like changing your diet and eating better and exercising better and drinking really good water and, you know, you're, you're doing some functional medicine and you know, detoxifying, you could get your body better. But you're not going to understand what led to the illness in the first place. You're taking the mind out of it. And that's the most powerful place to go. I, I think actually, though, you know, I agree with you that it's not innately going to happen on, like or automatically. But all the stuff you just listed as a constellation of improvements to the amount of energy available to your body. That is also, you know, energy and consciousness are synonymous. So with the rise of the sea level of your overall pranic vitality, through the different things that you're doing to improve like the literal electricity in your whole system. Yeah. There's a strong chance that you will have the epiphany in that route. So, you know, that's why I think people will get better from even life threatening stuff like cancer by going the route of just full tilt, everything improved organic, uh, sunshine and rainbows yeah. all the way, you know, I hear, I hear what you're saying. You still got to get the epiphany to get the underlying problem, but you might be more likely to get the epiphany if you have more vitality. Yeah, that's true. If you have more vitality, if you're under a heavy, heavy burden and your, your vitality is so low, you can't really go there then yes, but I wouldn't underestimate what I call the moth effect. So I'll work with somebody and they will understand the power that they have to change in the, at the mental level. But where most people to, in this day and age are not uh, habituated to um, understanding the power they have and, and, and understanding the minds and, and 
monitoring their thoughts and stuff like that. So they will, they will have the moth effect even for a homeopathic remedy. And you know, homeopathy is not here. You need this. This is what the body doesn't have. Take it and it will strengthen you. It's that you're weak in this way. And here's a remedy that causes weakness in the same way in healthy people take that and like cures, like, you know, the poison for the cure, you neutralize the illness with a substance in nature that causes the same illness in a healthy person. So even with homeopathy, I'll say, okay, take this. And this is just a lighter. So it's symbolic of a remedy. Um, and the person will go. And I, I can see that the, the power that they just aligned with is out the window when they, when you give them something. So people tend, and this is a pretty strong phenomenon. So I'm, I'm a bit of a stickler with this, to be honest, Chance. And I get into arguments with my, my students about this. <laughs> well, let's call them discussions because they're great discussions. And I say, look, you're a practitioner. You're, you have your own guidance. Do what you feel is right as a practitioner. But I encourage them to take the first step with the mental, emotional stuff, with the, with the mind, body stuff. And then if things don't shift or if there's a stuckness, then you could figure out where the block or the obstacle to cure is and address it. But I don't start with the more mundane physical stuff because it like when people come to see me, I want to establish the, how, what the medicine is that I practice. So I establish, I take the first foot, right ankle, right ankle stepping forward with the mind body stuff. And then the other stuff can be supportive. So I, I also de-emphasize the importance of, of nutrition because, um, you know, people are like natural medicine. I would, I don't even know what percentage, but a large percentage is identified with nutrition and what you're eating and what you put in your body and supplementation. But it really, it, it really becomes much less important when you address um, illness at the mental, emotional level, at the belief system level. Because you can liberate huge volumes of the vital pranic energy by aligning a person with their truth, their true nature, and letting go of those false beliefs versus like the shoving around of boulders at the physical, you know, with the nutrition and stuff like that and, and supplementation. So I am a bit of a stickler and I'm, I'm a purist in that way. But I don't, I don't, you know, poo-poo anybody for doing a more a naturopathic approach. A more, I was gonna, I'm not gonna use the word holistic because that's not the way I view holism. But a more like, some people say, well, you got to meet people where they're at. You know, you have to earn their trust. <laughs> um, but even that, I don't agree with because I'm very clear about how I practice before somebody comes see me. They're not gonna get a surprise. What mind-body medicine? You're going to ask me questions. What? No, I make it very clear. This is how I practice, you know, like, so if you want to come see me, this is what you want. This is the medicine that you want. So people aren't under any illusion when they come see me and I could avoid getting people who want, who want to be fixed or who want just nutritional counseling or something in my practice. So that's, that's how I organize that, you know? Yeah. Great, man. It really aligns with uh my experience as well that you know i i cleaned up my diet i went the organic route i spent years as a vegan but i still had like certain things my body couldn't process you know dairy would throw me off really bad 
And when I liberated, I don't know exactly the moment it happened, but clearly I have through uh, some method or another, probably the, you know, philosophy we're sharing and how I've applied that in my own day-to-day life as necessary to reveal limiting beliefs in the liberation of that pranic force has totally turned everything around. And like, you know, I can eat something that before I would have been like scared of that. I was like, yeah. Oh, that's garbage. You know, I can have the, the family get together meal or what everyone else is eating and feel fine. And you know, the way that universe external reality responds to me and provides me with nutrition metaphorically in the form of like resources and opportunities that's also just like jacked way up. So it's all that's holism. And, you know, you more or less have kind of answered the question maybe from your own perspective, but I've been kicking around this question as you were talking and what, you know, what makes naturopathy something other than what, you know, what I hear people talk about in kind of a complaining way, something other than green allopathy, right? Because you you started to talk about that, but if you have more, you could say about that because really green allopathy, like it's the same model, but just here's an herb instead of a pharmaceutical, right? You know, um, so what, what more could we say about that? Yeah. So yeah, you, exactly. Green allopathy, you know, you go to your naturopathic doctor and a lot of naturopaths have this reputation of you're going to leave with, you know, hundreds of dollars of supplements and a months and months later, maybe there's some change, but sometimes there isn't, you know, that's the unfortunate part. So um, that's a shame. That's, that is total, that's total naturopathic medicine straying from its purpose of helping people align with, with their vital energy, um, which there's different ways of doing that. Right. So my, I like mind body. That's my favorite way. I think, I think it's, I personally think it's the most powerful thing you could do in medicine as a practitioner. Um, and homeopathy does work at that level. So the the two together is like incredible, like doing the, doing the holistic counseling and and really seeing the patient's suffering unfolding and getting to see what their choices they're making. Um, And then combining that with homeopathy is so powerful. So for homeopaths or people studying homeopathy, the, the, the counsel thyself, the holistic counseling is very, very helpful for their practice. But then, and just homeopathy can address stuff at the mental level. But if you think about yourself, think about that. How many things are really addressing healing at the mental level? There's not a lot. Um, and so green, like allopathic medicine, it, it does the disservice. Green allopathy does the disservice of, you know, paying lip service. So if you go to all the colleges, there's these points of philosophy. Treat the whole person. Treat the fundamental cause of illness. Treat each person as an individual. You know, the doctor is as a true te- teacher and, uh, you know, um, follow the healing a, a lot, like be in harmony with the healing power of nature. This is the philosophy that all of the, the, the colleges promote. They're like missing the, the last key element that the fundamental nature of nature is mind, right? Yeah, well, that's right. The fundamental where the, the fundamental in most illness, the fundamental cause of illness is is mind. And it's also where the healing happens. Um, there's this guy named, um, he's this Israeli uh, healer. I forget his name right now. Svi. It's like a, it's like a very 
good Jewish name. <laughs> um, but you, by looking up the book itself, it, it's the mind is the healer, the mind is the killer. Or the mind is the killer, the mind is the healer. So the mind creates the, the illness and can and leads to disease and suffering and ultimate death, and then also can liberate from that. So the green allopathy is doing a great disservice. It's it's actually taking naturopathic medicine away from its true purpose. And I I I suspect um, some foul play there. <laughs> um, you know, I've, yeah, I've, I think it's the same players that are just gearing up to uh, replace the old model with a, you know, green allopathy distributor around every street corner and continue the money funnel. <laughs> absolutely. You know, some of the trends that happened during the last three years, we all know what those were. Um, the my college, naturopathic college, uh, Canadian College of Naturopath, Naturopathic Medicine was training wanted to train naturopathic doctors to reduce uh, hesitancy of the experimental injections. So when I saw that, and then they came out with all kinds of the racial stuff at the same time, they were publishing this in their publishing. And I was like, wow, that there's the agenda right there. And it's definitely infiltrated the, the colleges. And, you know, I watched this, this documentary a while ago. I think it was called who stole who stole the election or something or who stole America. And it was, it was, in, it was this Chinese guy in the Chinese communist party saying, Oh yeah, you know, uh, Joe Biden's a good friend of ours. And um, you know, when, when somebody's not in agreement with us and our, what we'd like to perform, you know, they have this, this agenda, Chinese uh, CCP is it's called war by any means or any way war. And that involves political stuff as well. So he said, if somebody doesn't agree, we give them a wad of cash. Or, or if you know, we want them to do something, we give them a wad of cash. And if they don't accept, we give them two wads of cash. <laughs> and I, I thought that that was very funny and very appropriate. So it doesn't take a lot to get people to, you know, kowtow to the agenda. And that's what I suspect is happening. I hate to say this, but I, I you know, I have a, a, a platform where I, I've interviewed lots of naturopathic doctors and it's called NDs for Truth. All, all spelled out NDs, N-D-S-F-O-R, truth.com. And I've interviewed a lot of people and we've talked about this, like the infiltration of the agenda into naturopathic medicine, which is therefore takes the philosophy this, of holism, of mind-body medicine, you know, that formula that they have that they pay lip service to is a formula of holistic medicine, you know, mind body medicine. But they just take it and they just go like this and, oh, it has to be scientific. And there's no study that shows that the mind influences the body, which is total horseshit. But there's this like brainwashing there so that people don't so that when the students go out. I would say about 70% are going to be green allopaths. Now this is my totally my, my uh, take on it. I figure around 30% of students go in all bright eyed and bushy tailed wanting the real juice of naturopathic medicine, the, 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 like the deep healing power of nature, real stuff of naturopathic medicine. 
30% go in wanting to be hardcore doctors that didn't get into the regular conventional medical programs. They want to be doctors. They want the power. They want to fix people. That's 30%. 40% are not sure. They're interested. They don't know what it is. They, they're intrigued. They want a career. And so when the schools are, are taking them into the green allopathic direction, that means that the 30% are already in that bag. The 40% are going to be in that bag. And some of the 30% are going to lose their way and become exhausted with this battle of what goes on in the naturopathic medicine field um, of, you know, beating the life out of, out of the vital force, beating the life out of the vital force. So that that's how 70% becomes kind of green allopathic. And, you know, if you compare it, green allopathic is better than toxic big pharma, but it's still the same model. You're treating the, the body and you're not looking at the, the mental emotional field. Yeah. It's still going to lead to the outcome of chronic repetitive, uh, continue to suppress symptoms, never actually getting to the root and, you know, restoring that sense of wholeness. Exactly. So we're at a good point to move towards our transition to the second hour. Right. I'd love for you to remind people where they can find all of your various work offerings, the books that you've got available. Yeah, what, how can people get more of Dr. Moshe? Okay, so can I type it up in the chat or something, or just say I'll just say it out loud is a good idea. I've got your two websites that I'm aware of linked in the show description, so that'll help too. Okay, that's good. There's also I also have um, Kingdom Dash in dash u.org kingdom and u.org that's my ministry so i do all my all my work is under a ministry um you know separate church and state um freedom of speech not too bad these days um so you can also find all the work that i do under that canopy um so some of the books i've written like the last four books of moses book one the letting go of free will it's cabalistic about free will the letting go of free will uh, then there's my naturopathic books um the revolution of naturopathic medicine and also holistic counseling introducing the vice dialogue you can you can get some links through there and just some of my other work with the mojo cell and um other fun stuff so that would be a good way to get in touch with me. You could always reach me through there, through the, uh, through email as well. Cool, man. Yeah. We have lots of more things we can talk about. Yeah. I didn't even bring up that your name Moshe means Messiah. So it's like, no, no, it doesn't. Well, Moses, it means Moses. It means Moses. And does Moses mean Messiah in a way it does in a way, in a way it does. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying you're labeling yourself that, but it's uh, I love the words and you know, I'm, yes. uh, I'm pretty hip to, uh, to some of that, Kabbalah myself. So I want to talk about that in the second hour. And also we didn't discuss homeopathy much yet. So, you know, a lot of options on the table, Taoism, homeopathy, Kabbalah. Sure. <laughs> more but when we come back, I'd like to bring okay. back the Moshe name. Okay. Cause I want to tell you something about that. that you might, might not know that. I think it might be interesting for you. Oh, I'm into it. Sounds All good, right. man. All right. Man. Yeah. So we got, uh, before we switch over, I'll be linking in the chat here, the rock fin link. So people can jump over and we'll have a intermission musically. So you guys can go get a tea or water and join us on the other side. The second hour will also be available to the Patreon members. So we're going to have a good time. 
Also, you know, this is not a green allopathy. I'm not saying to suppress symptoms with this, but there are some incredible power-ups, herbal medicine power-ups, tinctures from my buddy Kyle at Tippecanoe New Herbs. I'm holding up right here one called Gladder Bladder that's got uh, several different things blended that, you know, help me sit through a two plus hour conversation without needing to go to the bathroom. You know, (laughs) just, you know, a little extra juice in my tank with the really wonderful things that typically new herbs and you can use the interverse coupon code for 10% off. Recommend you guys check that out. It's a wonderful family, wonderful products, really fun to use. You'll feel like, uh, you know, you're, t- you're a witcher taking your potions before you go onto the path. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to have a, a really fun second hour and definitely going to go more, maybe on an esoteric bent. This first hour, fantastic man. For, for sure. We share the same philosophy on what's an actual effective methodology to restoring health and what health is, where it comes from, it comes from your life force. That's what it is. <laughs> you know, we've solved it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's, it, I've seen the results in my own practice and in with myself. So great to meet another like mind. You know, you're, he's totally getting it, guys. You, you could get a lot out of following his work and I'm excited to check out your books in the future. So thanks for being here, man. And we'll catch everybody on the second hour and just watch for the link to join us on Rockfin. Cheers. Cheers.